Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Living Box Free. We're excited you're here. We are here for a new, I know, I'm, I'm holding up my drink because I realized I don't have a coaster. Awkward moment. Oh, you don't need Just a coaster. Just going to step away. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Living Box Free. <laughs> so, so polite. So excited that you are here. We are in the first episode of our Who Dat series. We did an introduction last week talking about why relationships, why we're even talking about relationships. But today we're going to start and I'm excited. Before we do that, Becky, what's on the rise for you this week? What is on the rise for me this week is putting together baby things. Mm. (laughs) I know things isn't probably a a great term. Baby (laughs) necessities. Apparatus. Yeah. And uh, even, so I was super, so this weekend, like just super blessed and grateful friends virtual baby showers and gym friends showering us with love. And yeah. so now I'm in this like, oh my, it's kind of like moving into a new house. I'm that person that wants to unbox everything right away. <laughs> and so I'm like ready to unbox, organize and put things together, which I'm really bad at reading all the directions, <laughs> which Ash has found out. <laughs> which is what's on the rise for me this week, reading the directions for Becky's baby stuff. <laughs> So when I say, I don't think this high chair is supposed to be leaning back this far. I'm like, okay, let me just look at the directions here. Okay. Yep. Got it. Let me fix that. So I'm very grateful. So right before this episode, she fixed the high chair. I I did. I did. Happy to help. Our child will be safe. Happy to step in anywhere I can and offer my assistance. Uh, Uh, Well, it's fun. It's an exciting new season of your life that I'm happy to be here for. Yeah. Okay, well, today we are jumping into talking about coworkers and teams. I think, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what Becky has to say about this and to jump in and share some stories because most of us have a full time job or at least a part time job or have, and we have coworkers that, man, you spend more time with them sometimes than your family. And it can be really challenging to develop good team dynamics and relationships with your coworkers. And Yeah, so that's what we're going to focus on this episode and then next episode. And we're going to talk about first, we're going to talk about the stages of team development. And then next week, we're going to jump into the specific dynamics and the dysfunctions of teams. So let's start out stages of team development. Take it away. Whoop, whoop. As Ash knows, I am a, uh, I'm a people person, so I love working on teams. And part of my job at Alenco Animal Health is helping our supervisors lead and develop effective, high-functioning teams. And so uh, the concepts that we'll talk about here in this first episode, part one and part two, uh, they're concepts that you can, you can search. They're all out there, and they are practices that we teach at the company I'm at, but they apply all over. And I'll never forget... When I, uh, when I first went to Alenco, my first team that I was on, it was awesome. I had a great supervisor. Our very first two weeks together, we did a team retreat. We got to know each other. We did team building. We talked about our roles and how we fit together. And it was, I worked on that team for about a year and a half before I switched roles and man, did that set me up with like a high bar. Expectations. And then, yes. I thought all teams worked so well together. 
And then I joined a new team and it was me with two other individuals that were an older generation, uh, totally different than the marketers I'd been working with. And for the first time I experienced some of these struggles of getting stuck Mm -hmm. and it took us much longer to develop as a team because it, it it was, it was a different dynamic. And I just was so fortunate with that first team to be put into a team where we jibed and we had a leader that was confident and set the tone right up front. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So as we talk about teams, I mean, it's so important, whether you're a supervisor or a leader, it's important to recognize you do not need a title to influence your team. So as we walk through this, you do not have to be the leader or manager of your team to influence and have good dialogue to move your team to become a high-functioning, well-synchronized group. Man, that's hard to remember, though. It is. I mean, I've been on teams where I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. Here we are. This sucks. Yes. That makes me think of crucial conversations. Yes. The story we tell ourselves. Helpless. Yes. Helpless. Yeah. It's helpless. I'm not the manager. Right. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. It just is what it is. Yeah. And, And so I would encourage us as we jump into these stages of team development to think of yourself as an influencer. You do not need a title to do that. However, it is helpful if you're not the supervisor or manager to talk to that supervisor or manager about what you're seeing And you guys can work together as you help develop your team and grow that team to become even more powerful together as a group. When you use the word influencer, I automatically picture like a super hipster uh, Instagram (laughs) star. Oh, yeah. That's what I picture. (laughs) That's Uh, not what you mean. And you used it correctly. But I just that's that's what influencer means to me now. Funny influencers. Now we think of social media. Yeah. When I talk about influencers, at least in in the world that I I live in often my eight to five job, it's the leaders who don't have a power position, they're not in a position of power. However, they ask the good questions and they don't accept status quo. Yeah. And those to me, those to me are the influencers and you want them on your team. So let's jump in. We are going to talk first today about a model. It's called the Tuckman model of how a team develops. Second, we're going to talk about some watchouts. Okay, so once we know this model, what are some watchouts about that model? And finally, what are some strategies that you can take home in order to help influence, as we talk about influencing, your team? Maybe your team is already a superstar team, but there's always room to improve. So the model itself that we're going to talk about, it's called the Tuckman model. And this model was introduced by Bruce Tuckman in 1965. Way back. Way back, and it's still living. (laughs) It's still alive. (laughs) My dad was in high school. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. My dad. Our our dads are the same age. So Mm -hmm. my dad was probably in high school, too. Yeah. Different state. Yes. Same age. Yep. So this model, it has four key stages we're going to talk through. However, there's two other stages that we're going to touch on that have been added later on. Sometimes people talk about them. Sometimes they don't. But I'm going to mention them just in case you do hear what they are. The first stage is forming. Mm. Mm. It makes me think of like a transformer that's like coming together and forming from like, uh, what, what the car, the car, the cool robot dude. I picture like, uh, pottery, like when when they're forming a a pot or, you know, a mug or something on the The potter's wheel. It looks like it just creates out of nothing. Yes. You know? Yes. So forming, this is the very first stage forming. We are in a very individual mindset. So you are not thinking of yourself as a team yet. You're individual focused. You're thinking, gosh, what, how do I contribute to this team? What are, what are my abilities and how do I, how do I give to this team goal? Uh, This is the, when team members are coming together for the first time, 
This is where you as a team member are leaning more on the leader and trying to figure out what are those expectations of each of the people on the team. We start to talk about the team's goals and objectives here in forming. So it's really that discovery phase. You're discovering what is the team's purpose? What is my role? How do I contribute? Once again, more individual minded than a group mind in that forming stage. The second stage, this is one of my favorite ones to talk about, is storming. Storming the castle. Storming. I wish we had some lightning bolt sounds. (laughs) Is that what lightning sounds like? I don't know. Sounds like a pistol. You've been in some weird, (laughs) weird storms. Kansas storms for me. (laughs) So, So storming, this is the phase that scares people a lot. And the name, of course, the name makes you scared. Storming can look a couple different ways. So storming, this is where we start to have conflict. And that conflict is usually people fighting. Once again, it's individual minded in this phase. So oftentimes people are fighting for their own individual idea or path forward versus a discussion and conflict on the group and how does the group identify the best decision or path forward. So it's more of an individual focus. And sometimes storming is out loud So it's like we talked about in Crucial Conversations, that it's more vocal and you know where people stand. And sometimes storming is more silent. And this is where it's important for you as an individual or for the leader on the team, the supervisor, to be able to recognize when people are holding back. Hmm. And I, gosh, I think it was my, gosh, third, fourth role at Elenco. I was on our global marketing team. And it's the first time I was on a team where not everybody was in the office. So we had colleagues in Mexico, Asia, and we got stuck in this storming phase. And you could tell that people weren't always willing to tell you what they're really thinking, but they might go to someone else and share what they're really thinking. And then the word gets back to you. And so that is an unhealthy conflict. And when you're in this storming phase, it's so important to recognize conflict can be a good thing. And we're going to talk about that in teams part two. Okay, Conflict can be a good thing as long as people know it's not personal. It's about the work. It's not not about you as an individual. And we need to know where people stand. Yeah. And so this storming phase, it's one where we really need to be in tune. If someone's holding back, we need to ask them and say, no, I value your opinion. I want to hear what you're thinking. And at the same time, if someone is being attacking or fighting for their own idea and not listening to others, we need to also hit pause and say, okay, let's take a moment and let's have everyone share where do you stand on this? What are your thoughts? What's your opinion? And force the group to have a conversation and dialogue. Oftentimes this is uncomfortable. And so we just want to avoid it. And you let the strong opinions prevail. And that's not how a team works. Because once again, it's more individual focused than focused on what's best for the team. I've never been good as a leader or as a, a coworker at uh, stopping some people from talking in order to mm-hmm. let other people talk. Does that make sense? Like I've never yeah. been good at being like, okay, we've heard enough from you. Cause yes. that's, I think where I struggle is kind of cutting somebody off oh, yeah. when they're sharing ideas about work specifically. Yep. Sometimes. And, and we talked about this last, <laughs> last night when we were hanging out in social situations, I'm just like, okay, I'm done with this conversation and I'll <laughs> walk away. But at work for whatever reason, I think because I know people are sharing about the ideas and the team, it's harder for me to cut them off so that we can move on to someone that is not raising their voice. Yep. I was going to talk about this in part two, but I'll mention it now. There's, there's different strategies to do that. And 
it goes back to how do you run an effective meeting? And so and there's a book out there called The Six Thinking Hats, and it talks about everyone putting on a certain hat. We're all going to be the devil's advocate now. Or we're all going to be you know, optimistic Betsy right now or whatever. And everyone playing that role. And another strategy that I really enjoy, and one of our trainings that we do at Elenco, we actually have, we have all these supervisors and they, they're confident, they want to share their opinion and they're really persuasive. <laughs> and <laughs> what we do is we actually, we have a timekeeper and we say, here's the topic. Each person gets a minute. Yeah. And you need to try to talk for the full minute. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's not hard. And you end up cutting them off, but you're cutting everyone off, so it's fair. Right. And some people, it, it forces them to share more of what they're thinking. When you say, try to talk for the full minute, and a minute might be too short, it might be two right. or three minutes. Right. But running effective meetings is a key solution for the storming phase. And, and it's, it's fair. We're all doing it. We're all in it. And it allows everyone's voice to be heard. I bought a time timer. Have you seen those? A time timer, no. I know, it's the, the dumbest name ever, but it's like a, um, it's a visual thing. So when you set it, oh. you can see the time actually like going oh, away so away. that everyone can see it and it kind of changes their perspective on how long they have to talk or how long someone else has to talk or whatever. Is this on a computer? Like, is no, this for virtual no, 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 it's like an actual clock that you can That's buy. Cool. So you can just go on Amazon, it's a time timer. It was super helpful for my last team. I need that for these podcasts. Yes. (laughs) I need that for so I don't talk so long on these podcasts. (laughs) That's cool. A time timer. A time timer. I'll see if I can find the link. All right. Maybe they'll sponsor us someday. Great. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. So we've talked about forming and storming. Both of those are still, we're focused more on us as an individual than the team. The next stage, stage three, is norming. And this is the first time where we are now thinking as a team. Norming is where we now understand what that role is that I play. We understand the strengths of our teammates. We're able to articulate, oh my gosh, Ash, she is so deliberative. She's so good at details. She reads directions and can fix my high chair. I'm going to (laughs) her when my high chair is reclined way too far to, to see how do I fix this. So you start to learn those individual strengths And that's so powerful because that's going to enable us to allocate those responsibilities appropriately to have the most efficient, high-functioning team. There's a lot of respect for the leader in this phase. You've learned how to navigate through conflict. And the other piece is you're laying the groundwork in order to do the work. So you are not in forming, storming, and norming. You are not yet meeting expectations. You're not yet delivering on the goals or objectives of the team. You're oh, figuring, okay, yeah, yep, that makes you are sense. figuring out how do we function as a team and what's my individual role, but in norming, and a lot of people in this stage, we create what's called a team charter, and it, it could be called a lot of different things, but this is a great place where you come together as a team and you actually write out, here's our, here's our goals that we are all working towards, here's the role that each of us play and our specific responsibilities. And then here's our ground rules of how we communicate with each other. Here's how we're going to run meetings. Maybe it's weekly meetings and we capture down, you know, the, what we need to accomplish next week. And we hold ourselves accountable at each meeting. So this is that place where we lay the framework that's going to allow us to truly be effective and start seeing those outcomes come to light and reaching those goals. So norming is a really important phase, and it's one that sets the stage for us to then meet those expectations, which takes us into our stage four, 
And these are the four key stages. This is the final one, and then I'll mention two others. Stage four is performing. Performing is where we're actually delivering and meeting those expectations. So we are functioning as a team. We know our roles. We're using our strengths. We're delivering, and we have healthy conflict. So we're able to have a dialogue, be open. This performing stage, it feels so good. It feels good. (laughs) Yeah. Now, some teams, some teams could still get stuck in norming and they might not make it to performing in time to really meet those expectations. But the goal is, and especially in a a work atmosphere where you're on a team, usually for a longer amount of time versus a short term project, the goal is you get to performing, you're meeting expectations, and that's good. Now we're going to jump into one other phase. It goes above and beyond performing, and it's called high performing. High performing teams, you know who you are. (laughs) You're exceeding expectations and you're the team that people go to and Mm say, hey, I know this isn't in your job jar, but you guys are just so good. I have an opportunity for you. Yeah. (laughs) And you've heard that word opportunity many times (laughs) because you're the team that people know you will get it done. Yes. You will do it well. You're efficient and you, you deliver. Yeah. And so high performing. Some teams make it there. Not all teams do. And this is, this is a dotted line. As I said, the four key stages of how a team development develops traditionally ends up performing. High performing has been added since the 1965 original model. But it's, gosh, I love, I, I love talking about this because that's an aspiration, right? Don't we all want to be that team that you're so well-oiled and working together that not only do you meet expectations, that's table stakes, but you're going above and beyond and you're constantly hitting above that target. Yeah. Whenever I have any kind of job distress or, you know how um, a lot of people kind of hit that phase where they're like, oh, I'm going to start looking for other jobs, even if they don't mean it. It's just like a, you know, kind of an instinct when things get stressful. I often have this nostalgic moment for years ago when I first started working for crew, I was put on a team, a creative team, And it ended up being just me and my friend Karen as a dynamic duo. And so we were a team, but it was just the two of us. Yeah. And we got so much done. (laughs) We just found a dynamic that really worked with us. And we had two other people that we used basically as consultants on our our two-person team. And it just, I look back very fondly on that because so many people all around crew were coming to us and saying, can you, can you do this? Because they wanted to kind of slip by the system and they knew we could get it done. And it was just so fun to be on that team. I love that you mentioned fun because mm-hmm. I, I said it feels good. But yes, like when you are a high performing team, it feels fun. Yeah. You you are com- comfortable with each other. You trust each other. You know how to enjoy work. It's truly that work hard, play hard type mentality. Uh, when you do such a good job, it just it feels good. Yeah. It's enjoyable. And that's we've figured out the roles that were mm-hmm. perfect for each of us. And we didn't, we didn't really encroach either direction. Like I didn't try to take on any design stuff of hers and she didn't try to take on any of the writing stuff. And you know, it just was, we made it work. Yes. You played to your strengths. Yes. That's a good example. I know Karen, you too. What a power, yes. power team right there. The dynamic duo. The dynamic duo. It was good while it lasted. Oh, wah, wah. <laughs> All right. We've got one other stage that is once again, it was added after 1965 and it fits, it fits for some teams. Uh, it's the adjourning stage. So adjourning is at the end of your goals, your objectives, you've accomplished them. There's sometimes a time where the team is done. And I actually think of, I think of a couple different examples here and I could think of one for Ash right now too, but one for me is 
when, for example, when I was a national FFA officer, there was a time frame. You're taking a year off college. This is a year-long commitment. And here are the key milestones that you as a team need to accomplish. And at the end of the year, the end of our year was October, National FFA Convention. At the end of that year, you're hanging up your jacket and you will never wear your FFA jacket again. Wah, wah. I didn't cry. So just want to throw that out there. I'm impressed. (laughs) But so that adjourning is, okay, we've accomplished our task. A lot of times this could be Like I mentioned, this was a leadership role, short-term assignment that I had in college. It could be you're a part of a committee planning an event. And when that event is over, then the team has, has, they've accomplished their task and they're done and they adjourn. And something that's important to recognize is adjourning. Sometimes there's emotions involved. You've, you've worked as a team, you've accomplished a lot. It's so important to appreciate how far you've come together because sometimes we forget to celebrate and we want to do it justice. So you don't want to just say, okay, we're done. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Hope to talk to you again. Bye-bye. Have a nice life. <laughs> but yeah, journeying, when we go through this process and this stage, it should be a celebration. It should be something we talk about. You know, here's what we accomplished. Thank you guys. And, you know, we're done. Maybe we'll get to meet again on a different task or a different job someday. It sounds sad, but it's, all, it's actually a good thing because mm-hmm. you've accomplished your goal. And I think Ash, I mean, she's working on a, in a big event right now. So I could see the team she brings together potentially going through this stage when that event is yeah. over. Yeah. So those, those are the stages. Once again, we have the four key stages that were introduced in 1965. And then the two additional ones, high performing. That feels so good. And it's fun. And then also adjourning. So adjourning when a team's time is up, they've accomplished the task and they're done. Next, we're going to talk about some watch outs. So question for Ash here. Where do you think it's the most dangerous for us to get stuck as a team out of these stages? Storming? I don't know. I the I'm uncertain. <laughs> it seems like storming because yeah. if you can't get out of that, then you can't move into actually getting things done. Yeah. And you can't move into healthy conflict. That's my guess. Yes. The, it's kind of a trick question because the answer is two. It's storming and norming. Okay. Yep. So storming and norming. Like you just said, if you don't learn how to handle and navigate conflict, that carries over and that's going to hold your team back in so many different areas. But norming as well, sometimes we spend so much time talking about our strengths or this is what we need to do. And if we don't take action and we don't actually start to implement, then we're not going to ever meet our expectations. So those those two stages are, are watch outs. We need to make sure we navigate through them. And something else to remember here is it's not a set time frame. So your team might jump through storming quickly. And I think something else that's important to note is your team will go through all of those stages. Hmm. You do not skip storming. (laughs) Anyone who hates conflict out there, you're like, no. We're just going to (laughs) gloss over that. Yes. You have to go through all these stages, but it could be short. It could be a blip depending on the dynamic of that team. That makes sense. Something else to note, another watch out, is if... There is a new team member that joins, even if it's just one person. It could be a new manager or a new person on the team. You go back to forming. Hmm. So you actually have to go back to forming okay. to, to know and understand that new person. Once again, that speed of getting back to performing might be super fast compared to the first time. But anytime there's a new person, we do shift back in that model. I guess I would have thought you only went back to 
norming. So that makes, mm-hmm. but that makes more sense to go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. And the reason for that is once again, that new individual, they are once they are coming to the table individually focused. What is my role? Who are right. these people <laughs> yeah. building trust? So, so we do go backwards. The last watch out is when, when your resource bank changes or your goals change. Okay. So in organizations, and I'm sure many of us have been there. One of the things I, I joke around a lot about is uh, budget cuts. Yeah. People would be like, Becky, why, you know, why are you drinking out of, uh, you know, that same carbonated water bottle that you've had for a week? Oh, budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford a new one. Uh, so th- that's the big joke uh, at our company. Usually by like October, if we're not hitting sales goals, it's like, okay, no more travel. Yeah. And I'm like, woohoo, I guess stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Backfire. Budget cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's budget cuts or resources, let's say maybe you had access to a lab or you had access to a videographer and now you don't, those different things cause us to have to go back to that norming phase as to, okay, we need to look at what we have here. What, what are our capabilities? We need to change what we're spending money on that might change our goal or the outcome that we're reaching for. Yeah. So, so that dynamic in the organization can also influence where we are in those stages and need to revisit that norming before we can perform because our plan has to change. Um, so, so those are just some watch outs as we think through these stages of team development. You don't always just hit performing or high performing and stay there forever because we know things are always changing. That's the one constant is change, right? Absolutely. Especially in the larger, the place you work for the more change there is, is my experience. Oh yes. Reorg. I feel like I've been, I've been at Alenco for six, almost seven years and they've reorged probably three or four times since I've been there. And, and yeah, it's just, you expect it, you know, that things are going to be different. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Last piece here, as we close out this team's part one, what are, what are strategies for you to navigate these stages, whether you're a supervisor or a team member, once again, not social media necessarily, but you are, you can be an influencer. You have influence. You have influence. Yep. So the first one is talk, talk about these stages. Like I said, this has been out there since 1965. Maybe people have heard of it. Maybe your team members or your leader has heard of it. However, a lot of times, you know, you might be able to rattle off the stages, but do we really understand what each of those stages entails and what is needed to navigate through them. So having a conversation, I know one of uh, one of the teams I was a part of, a marketing team at Alenco, we did a monthly marketing meeting where we would invite in an expert to learn about a topic. And I love that. And as a as a team member, I was able to tell my supervisor, Christopher, "Hey, I think it'd be great if we learned about the stages of team development. We should invite someone from L&D." So that's that's maybe one suggestion if you want to talk about it, but maybe you don't feel comfortable you can say, hey, in our team meeting, can we take some time for career development and let's talk about this topic? I think it's going to help us grow and become even better. So making time to develop and talk about this, it creates a common language. And then it's when you are addressing conflict, it gives you a language to use that's more safe. Hey, guys, I think we're in the storming phase. And and that's a good thing. Like, we need to talk about this. Right. How Here's some things that, you know, the Tuckman model says we can do to get through this. So it makes it less of an attack on a person, yeah, but it's individual. a conversation. Yeah, it's not individual conversations or conflicts. It's the team conflict that we need to solve together. Yes, and it's normal. I think that's the other thing is 
we are not abnormal with the fact that we're having conflict. This is normal. And everyone goes through this stage. Everyone has emotions and they bring them to work. Yes. Yep. That leads into my, my second piece here, strategies to navigate through those. And it's actually, don't be afraid of storming. Be afraid of not performing. So once again, I know storming is probably that one that most people fear. And, and think about this. Conflict is a good thing. If we do not have conflict, everyone's perspective and their strengths and the ideas don't all get out on the table. And the point of a team is not to have one individual monopolize what we do. It's to have every person's mind come together and truly create that synergy where one plus one equals three. Because Ash's idea plus my idea then creates this other idea that's even better. Mm. So the biggest thing to fear is not conflict, but the fear is that we don't truly perform at our highest potential. So keep that in mind. And then the, the final piece here, create some team ground rules and ways of working. And that's just another way of saying a team charter. You can go out there, you can Google team charter. There's lots of different ways to build one. As I just mentioned, <laughs> I don't read directions well. So uh, my teams, I do not want a team charter that is five pages long. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yes, I love a team charter that is one page and visual. And, and if you Google image team charters, you can find some examples. But the key pieces here are what are some ground rules of how we're going to treat each other? How are we going to work? Ways of working goes into what will our meeting structure look like? Do you know, are we meeting weekly on our tasks? But maybe we have a monthly meeting. Like I mentioned, the marketing team I was on, that monthly meeting is for career development. And we invest in ourselves, realizing that's going to make us better and be able to perform better. So have a discussion about that. Make it something, when you write this down that doesn't live on someone's desktop that you don't ever look at, make it something that you all revisit frequently. Hmm. We have teams that revisit this team charter at the beginning of every meeting on a weekly basis. Now, once again, it needs to be concise if you're going to do that. But And then there's other teams that revisit it on a quarterly basis. And they house it in a shared place, whether that's Microsoft Teams, a collab site, a shared place where everyone has access. So keep that in mind. It's kind of like the superhero creed. Don't just write it down and put it in a drawer. You need to make it visible and you need yeah. to revisit it often. And as I'm hearing you talk about all of these things, again, I mean, you said this about um, self-knowledge and relate, uh, conversations before, but the key point here is dialogue, talking these things out, yes. figuring out what are these foundations of a team and then talking about them and talking through that charter and then revisiting the charter and talking about it again and again and yeah. again. And I think that that key piece is you really can't get around that. You can't, you can't build a healthy, high-performing team without that dialogue piece. Absolutely. And the number one thing I hear from leaders or team members is we don't have time. Mm. So it's also realizing that the time we invest in these ways of working, ground rules, conversation, it actually will save us time in the future. Yeah. So by having a clear outline of how we're going to conduct meetings and the purpose and the outcomes we're working towards, that will only enable us to be more productive in the future. So that, that personal development, career development, team building, it is so important and, and you don't have to do it every day, but to make intentional time to do it, I, I think on a monthly basis at least, yeah. even if it's half a day or a couple hours, 
that in turn will help you be a performing or high performing team. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we're, we're going to wrap up there. It's yeah, it's really fun to talk about just these foundation, these building block pieces of teams. I mean, it can be a small team. If you work with two or three people, it can be a huge team, whatever it is really key parts are just to talk about it and understand the dynamics that are going on there. So we're going to jump in next week into the dysfunctions of a team and how to navigate those because we all have them. We all have dysfunctions. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be fun. Yay. <laughs> that'll be a nice pick me up next week. So join us next week for dysfunctions. See ya. <laughs>Thanks for joining us on Living Box Free, put on by On The Rise Group. Follow or subscribe to Living Box Free on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play to hear our new episodes every Monday as well as our bonus episodes. You can learn more about our services at ontherisegroup.com. Also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at On The Rise Group. We hope you'll tune in next time for more helpful content.